0: Bethany. Let's take a while this evening. So Genesis chapter 12. Excuse me. Genesis chapter 12. And let's begin reading this evening from verse 1. <coughs> Genesis 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. Unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again that we can be here this evening. That we can gather in this place. Uh, free from opposition and persecution, Lord, we can gather together as a body of believers and spend some time together in fellowship and spend some time together around your Word. (coughs) We pray this evening you would uh, just speak to our hearts once again through your Word, teach us, instruct us this evening, and Lord, may you empower me through the Spirit now and give me wisdom as I speak, Lord, that it would be your words, it would be your thoughts. Uh, Lord, this evening we would, uh, Lord, get a glimpse of you and Uh, Get a glimpse of uh, the truths of your word and leave singing your praises. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) Now, of course, this morning, (coughs) this morning, of course, we looked at God's chosen servant. We focused on uh, Abram. We focused on this man that God chooses. And we we asked a couple of questions. We said, you know, who was this man, Abraham, and exactly why did God choose him? And we talked about the fact that this was not a random choice. Okay? Uh, God's choice of a servant is never random in the word of God. When we look through, there's always a reason. It always comes down to the heart of the person. And so we talked about this morning that Abraham must have been a man who had a soft heart, a tender heart toward, towards the Lord. He was a man of faith. And his faith is clearly demonstrated by his obedience to the call, to the command that the Lord now gives to him. And we mentioned this morning that this call, recorded for us here in chapter 12, this call uh, was given to the Lord, uh, given sorry by the Lord to Abraham while he was still in Ur of the Chaldees. And Acts chapter 7 uh, makes that point clear. We won't turn there again, but this morning we turned to Acts chapter 7 and we saw Stephen there and he talks about how Abraham was still dwelling in Ur when the Lord came and called him. And so it's because this call has already been issued, okay? The chapter 12 begins with the phrase that says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, okay? And so this is not a second call, or at least I don't believe it is. This is just a record of the original call that he was given before he left the Ur of the Chaldees, okay? And this is the past tense here, okay? Now the Lord had said, it's past tense. This has already been given to him. He's already been issued this call But we're just reading about it now for the first time here at the start of chapter 12. Now, here in Genesis, we're not told exactly how the Lord came and spoke to Abraham. But in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, Stephen tells us that the Lord of glory appeared unto him. The Lord appeared unto him. So, this was more than him just hearing a voice, okay? It's more than just him having a vision, if you like. The Lord of glory, Acts 7, Stephen says, the Lord of glory appeared unto uh, Abraham. Actually appeared unto him. And again, we're not told exactly in what form or in what way. But God appeared and God spoke to Abraham, issuing him this call. Now we know from New Testament passages like John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, no man hath seen God. At any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And so the New Testament tells us clearly that no man has ever seen God. God's word is very clear on that point. In Exodus 33 and verse 20, God tells Moses that no man can look at his face and live. Let's just turn there. Exodus 33. Exodus 33. Exodus 33 and verse 20, it says, And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Okay, the Lord's talking to Moses here. He says, you can't see my face, because no man can look upon my face and live. And the point is, since God, no man has seen God, and indeed no man can look upon God's face and live, that means that when God appears to him here, when the God of glory appears to Abraham, more than likely this is God the Son. Okay, this is God the Son who appears unto Abraham and issues this call. This is a pre-incarnate. This is pre-incarnate Christ. Okay, and this means that this is one of the very first times in the Old Testament that we read of the Lord Jesus Christ appearing and speaking unto man, speaking to one of his servants. According to the Scriptures, this was only one of, several occasions when God communicated directly with Abraham. Now, this was the beginning of a very unique relationship with the Lord. Abraham had a very special relationship with God, a unique relationship. Now, on several occasions in the Word of God, he's called the friend of God. One of those is James chapter 2. Let's just quickly turn there. (coughs) Excuse me, James (coughs) 2. Verse 23, James 2, verse 23, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. This is a very honorable title, isn't it? Imagine being called the friend of God, being known as the friend of God. That's Abraham. Indeed, right throughout the scripture, we see God referred to as being the God of Abraham. And so God himself is associated with him. This is Abraham's God. You see, the point is, Abraham had a very unique, very special relationship with God. And it all begins, if you like, here, with this calling. It all begins with this calling that God gives to him. And so this evening we want to focus on God's calling of Abraham. And there's really two parts to this calling that God gives to him here in chapter 12. The first part is God's command. So let's start there this evening. God's command. Look there in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And so the first part of this calling is a command. God's command is very clear, isn't it? Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. Until a land that I will show you. That's God's command issued to this man, Abraham or Abram. And you know, this is a, a command that really demands sacrifice, doesn't it? <clears throat> demands sacrifice from Abraham. You know, God's calls are not always easy for us to follow, are they? You know, oftentimes when God calls someone to be his servant, there is sacrifice to be made. And this call to Abraham was no different. God was calling him to make some huge sacrifices as he stepped out by faith to follow the Lord's will. Now, as we mentioned this morning, Abraham, at this time, he's, he's living in Ur. Okay, he's living there. And, he, and, and that means that he's living in one of the most important cities at the time. You know, He's living in this, this city that's right there on the Persian Gulf. It's right there on the coastline. It's this important port city with the, you know, the ships coming and going. There's trade going on. It's an important place to live in a commercial center. Now the commentator Gertz writes this, he says the city covered about four square miles and had a population of about 300,000 people. History records and archaeology confirms that many of these people were highly educated. They, had, they were proficient in mathematics, astronomy, weaving and engraving. You see the point is this is an incredible city for the times. Okay, an incredible city in its day. And, you know, really, in the eyes of the world, this is a a perfect place to live, isn't it? You think about it. In the eyes of the world, this is a perfect place, an ideal place to live, an ideal place to grow up. It's an ideal place, if you like, to raise a family. You know, think about it. Right there in the city of Ur, you have the best education. You have the best uh, industries at your disposal, the best businesses all around you. You probably have the best... Positions of the day as well. Everything's there at your disposal in this city. We can think of it like being a capital city today. Everything's at your disposal. It seems like an ideal place to live. It seems like an ideal place for Abraham to live and to raise a family. But what does God do? God comes to Abraham here and he issues this call to Abraham to leave his country. That's the first thing he says there is get thee out of by country, God calls Abraham here to make a sacrifice, to make a decision to leave his homeland, to separate himself from these people, this place he called home, this place he'd grown up in. God calls him to leave it all behind and to trust the Lord and step out by faith. Now this of course, there, sorry, there was of course a very good reason why God did this. And we saw that this morning because this was a place where there's great idolatry taking place. It's a city steeped in (coughs) idolatry, in the, the worship of the moon god. And so God knew that this was a place of temptation, didn't he? You know, it's a place of temptation. I mean, already Abraham's family, as we saw this morning, was being dragged into that idolatry. Members of his own family now were struggling with it. And so it is a place of great temptation, but not just temptation for Abraham. You know, it's a place of temptation if he raises a family there. It's a place of temptation for his kids, isn't it? And indeed, a place of temptation then for the nation that will come from him. You see, the Lord knew that he had to get Abraham out of there, away from that, to begin to use him to build this nation. And so the very first thing that Abraham had to do, if he was going to do God's will, if he was going to fulfill God's calling for his life, was he had to make a clean break. From this idolatrous city in which he dwelt, the city of Ur. But of course, you know, that wasn't all that God asked him to leave behind, was it? You see, we read on in verse 1 and it says, And from thy kindreds and from thy father's house. And so God also tells Abraham that he needs to be willing now to make a clean break from his family as well, from his idolatrous family and friends. As I mentioned this morning, Joshua chapter 24, Joshua talks about the fact that members of his own family were worshipping idols there in Ur. They were caught up in this. And so God calls Abraham here to be willing to leave his own family and friends behind if they will not follow him. If they will not serve God, leave them behind. If they will not support him, if they will not go with him, then he must leave them behind and step out by faith and follow God. Follow the Lord. You know, the end of the verse makes it clear that this was not only a command that demanded sacrifice. Okay, leave your country, leave your family and friends behind. But it was also a command that demanded or required, sorry, faith, didn't it? Faith to obey. Because the end of the verse, it says, Unto a land that I will show thee. He was to step out by faith. God's asking him here to make a sacrifice, put all these things behind. And then the Lord's asking him to step out by faith, not knowing even where he's going. Not knowing even what the end destination was. He hasn't been told it's the land of Canaan yet. God hasn't told him that. God just says, leave and I will show thee the land. I will lead you. Now, here is 11 verse 8. Speaking about Abraham's faith here, as he obeys this command, it says that he went out not knowing whither he went. He didn't know where he was going. You see, you notice that God didn't give Abraham the full plan, did he? Sometimes we want the full plan, don't we? We want the, the full lot of instructions from the Lord. But God didn't give Abraham the full set of instructions. God simply said, Abraham, I want you to make a sacrifice. I want you to leave these things behind. And I want you to step out by faith and follow me and I will lead you. God didn't give him every destination along the way. God didn't tell him everything that would happen. God didn't tell him how he would live or how he would provide for his family. God didn't tell him those things. God simply said, trust me. And so there is a big requirement of faith here, isn't there? As he steps out to obey the Lord. God simply called him to leave all these things behind, family, friends, his home, and follow the Lord by faith. You know, as we look through the Word of God, we see that this is not an unusual thing, is it? It's not an unusual thing to find that God's servant is not only, as we saw this morning, someone with a tender and soft heart. Okay? God finds that man or that woman. But then God's servant is often asked by God to leave, make a sacrifice, leave things behind, and to step out by faith following Him. Be willing to give up the pleasures of life, if you like, give up, these assurances, this security that we have, and step out by faith and follow his will. You know, I was thinking about this week, you know, it's the same call that God gives to each of us after salvation. This call here to Abraham really is a, a, a really good reflection, if you like, or really good picture of the call of discipleship. Discipleship. You see, salvation is only the very beginning of the Christian life, isn't it? That's all it is. It's the very beginning. It's how we get on the, the, the racetrack of life. That's the very beginning. It's the starting line. But God doesn't want us just to stay there at the starting line, does He? Okay, Christ wants us, God wants us then to progress in the Christian life. He wants us to go on to discipleship, to follow Him. You see, after salvation, God issues us a call. A call of discipleship. That we would make a decision by faith... To follow him wherever he leads us. Now, in Luke chapter 14, Christ outlines for us what it takes to be one of his disciples. Just turn over there. Excuse me. Luke 14. Luke 14, and let's read from verse 25. says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother, and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he've laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. For what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise... Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot, cannot be my disciple. Christ outlines very clearly here what it takes to be one of his disciples. You know, as you read those verses, it's not hard to see the comparison with Abraham, is it? It's not hard to see the comparison with what the Lord is asking of Abraham here with this call. What God required of him. You know, in verse 26, Christ tells us here, that we must be willing to give up family and friends to be his disciple. That's what it says, verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. The call to discipleship means that we must be willing to give up family and friends and follow him. Now, we've talked about it before, but the word hate there is used in a comparative sense, isn't it? Okay, it's saying that we are to love God so much that our love for our family seems like hate in comparison. Okay, we don't actually hate our family. But that's the idea. We love God so much that we're willing to leave family and friends behind if that's what God asks of us. We're going to leave them behind and step out by faith. See, the point is, if they will not support us in serving the Lord, in following Him then you leave them behind. That's really what the call of discipleship is. That's the call to each of us as believers. We put Him first, before family, before friends. Now sometimes that's a hard decision to make, isn't it? Hard decision to make, to give up family and friends and put the Lord first. In verse 27 to 33, as we just read before there, Christ talks about counting the cost. He talks about the great cost of being one of His disciples. It costs us something. It takes sacrifice. Just like God asked here of Abraham, sacrifice. When Christ calls us to discipleship, it's a call of sacrifice. We need to realize that if we're going to be one of His disciples, okay, we're going to step out by faith and follow Him, it will mean sacrificing some things for Him. To serve Him. It may, may mean facing ridicule and rejection that we have to take up our cross and follow Him. It may mean leaving our home, our job, security, the comfort that we know. We may have to be willing to give it all up to follow Him. You see, that's what true discipleship is. That's the call that He issues to us. It's that willingness to make a sacrifice for Him. He's first before everything else. Now, let me be clear. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have to give up all those things. We need to understand that. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have to give up all those things to follow Him. We may not ever be asked by the Lord to move from where we we know, the comforts, the place we live. We may not ever be asked by the Lord to leave family behind and friends. But the point is that we must be willing. That's the point. must be willing to leave it behind, to sacrifice all for Christ. You see, that's God's call to all of us as believers, isn't it? And when we have a soft and tender heart like Abraham, we will be willing to answer that call. You see, there's a wonderful connection here, wonderful flow on. When our heart is right with the Lord and whether someone God can use, we will be ready and willing to answer that call of discipleship. We'll be ready and willing to answer his individual call to our life. The will he has for us here on this earth. As we read on in our passage, we see secondly now, not only did God give to Abraham a command, but God also gave him a promise. Let's go back there. God's promise is our second point this evening. Genesis chapter 12. We see God's promise. Verse 2. It says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. You know, Abraham may not have been told by God everything that lay before him. He may not have been told that. He may not have been told exactly where he's heading, <clears throat> exactly what the plan was. But God gave him something far better. Do you notice that? God gave him a promise. And that's far better than God giving him every single reason, every single direction along the way. Far better than that is a promise of what's at the end. Okay, that's what he gives him here a promise of what's in store if he will obey. You see in verse 2, God gave him the wonderful promise that he will make him the father of a great nation. Okay, it says, and I'll make of thee a great nation. Now in Abraham's case, that's a, that's a wonderful promise. That's a special promise, a promise with special meaning. Because as we saw this morning, he's already married to Sarah, And he has no children, and it's already known that she's barren. Okay, so he has no children. And so basically, this is the Lord declaring what? I'm going to give you children. That's the Lord declaring that. This is the first time God's making that promise to him. God's promising that Sarah will conceive. She'll have at least one son, and that from that son, they will end up with many descendants. They'll end up with a great nation coming from Abraham and Sarah. This is a wonderful promise for Abraham from God. But not only that, God goes on and He says, And I will bless thee. It says in verse 2, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. Think about that for a second. God's asking Him here, in verse 1 as we just saw, God's asking Him basically to give up everything He's ever known. To leave it all behind. Leave all the, the blessings of this life behind. City, family, friends, security. Comfort. Basically, all the earthly pleasures. God says, leave it all behind. And what does God promise? He says, don't worry, Abraham. I will bless you. I will bless you. You see, basically, God promises that he will more than make up for it. He says, leave all these things behind, but don't worry. I'm not going to shortchange you. I will bless you. I'll bless you. God will bless him." You know, the blessing of God is always far superior to the blessings of this earth, isn't it? The blessings of this temporal life. The blessings of God are always superior. And that's what God's promising here. He says, I'm asking you to give up these things, Abraham, but don't worry, I will bless you. And then finally in verse 2, the Lord declares that he will make his name great. It says in verse 2 again, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name Great. Now again, remember Abraham, he's a nobody. We talked about this this morning. He's a nobody. Okay? He's probably the, the, the youngest son, he's certainly not the eldest son, and so he has no birthright, no blessing from his father coming his way as such. He's a nobody. But God here declares, he says, I will make your name great. He's going to become the patriarch of, a, of, a, of his own house, the patriarch of a nation. And indeed, his name would be great in the whole earth. Not just amongst his family and friends and his descendants. It would be great in the whole earth. Basically, God promises here to exalt Abraham. To exalt him. You see, the point here is that God is promising... Sorry, that what God is promising to do for Abraham was going to more than make up for what God was asking him to give up. Do you notice that? Okay, the promises of God... What God says he'll give to him was going to more than make up for. It was going to exceed what Abraham was asked to give up. The point is God never shortchanges his people, does he? God never shortchanges his people. The blessings of God are always superior. Always superior to what we leave behind. And that's the case here with Abraham. He steps out by faith with these promises in view... That's where his faith rests, isn't it? He's resting his faith in God that God will keep his promises. And the same is true for us as believers. And as we saw, the call to discipleship, it's one that requires sacrifice, doesn't it? A willingness to give up for all for him and to step out by faith. But you know, we can be sure that whatever we have to give up for the Lord, God's not going to shortchange us. He's not going to shortchange us. God's blessings to us as we serve Him in this life will more than make up for the sacrifices we might have to make of worldly pleasures or family and friends or comfort, whatever it might be. God's blessing will always make up for it. In Mark chapter 10, Peter basically asks the Lord, he says, what will our reward be for giving up these things and following you? Just turn over there, Mark chapter 10. Let's read the Lord's response. Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> Mark 10 and verse 28. It says then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren. Or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the Gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many are that are the, Sorry, but many that are first shall be last, and last first. You know, God, Christ answers Peter here, doesn't he? He says, Peter, don't worry. You won't be shortchanged. If you've given up these things in this life, you'll receive hundredfold. In other words, the Lord says, I will take care of you. I'll bless you. I'll bless you abundantly, not only in this life, but in the life to come, which is more important, isn't it? Eternity. Well, it makes it clear that he will not shortchange his servants. We will be rewarded one day in heaven. As we stand before the Lord, we will be rewarded for what we've done here on this earth. You know, we can also be sure that as we step out by faith and we serve Him on this earth, that He will take care of every earthly need as well. You know, Philippians 4 verse 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. As we step out by faith and follow Him in discipleship, follow His will, His calling for our lives, we can be sure He will supply our needs. He will take care of us. You see, the point is that this decision to follow the Lord, it may be one of sacrifice, yes, but the blessings of God always outweigh the sacrifice. The blessings of God are far greater. You see, if we would realize this truth and truly believe it as believers, truly understand this and get it, grasp hold of it, how much more would it motivate us to serve the Lord? How much more would it motivate us to serve Him uh, greater here on this earth? You see, too often, what do we focus on? Too often we focus on what we may have to give up. That's where our focus is. Now, When someone starts talking about the call of the Lord in our lives, we start thinking, "Uh, what's He going to ask me to give up? If I pray and say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to do this, what's He going to ask me to give up? What's He going to require of me? That's too often what our focus is on, what we might have to leave behind. Instead, what we need to focus upon is the Lord and His promises and what He has in store for us. Stop looking at this life and and the the pleasures of life. They don't matter. They don't last. They don't don't have any concern for eternity. We need to get our eyes off those and stop worrying about that. Look at the, the Lord, look at His promises and say, Okay, Lord, that's what you've said. I'll trust you. If that's our focus, how much more motivated will we be to serve the Lord? how much more motivated would we will be to give up some of these things in this life and serve Him if we're willing to trust Him. Now, one commentator wrote this. He said, Fire up the hearts of the young with all the beauty and blessedness of the service of Jesus, and they will not find it so hard to leave nets and fishing boats and friends to forsake all and follow Him. It's true, isn't it? Our hearts are fired up with the knowledge of His blessings, the blessedness of serving Him. It won't be so hard to leave those things behind, will it? To sacrifice those things for Him. See, that's where our focus needs to be, on His wonderful promises. If we keep those things in focus, it's much easier to serve the Lord. Much easier to give up things as the Lord asks us to. You see, what we're leaving behind, as I said, is nothing compared to what he has in store for us. His promises are always greater. Now, at the end of verse 2 here, as if this wasn't enough for Abraham, we see that God gives him even more of a promise. At the end of verse 2, it says this, And I'll make of thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. God adds this phrase, the end, to this promise here. He says, and I will make you a blessing unto others. God promises to make him, Abraham, a source of blessing unto those around him. Now, of course, verse 3, we're told exactly what this blessing would be, what form it would take. It says in verse 3, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God says to Abraham, he says, I'll bless those who bless you. Bless your descendants, I'll bless them. Those who curse you, I'll curse them. And then he sums it up and he says, In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. You see, that's a wonderful promise. That through him, the Messiah would come. That's what it is. This is a declaration that through him, through his descendants, the Messiah would come and be a blessing to all mankind. You know, the wonderful truth is that as we look at these promises here, God has kept every single one of these promises to Abraham. You realize that? God kept them all. God did make of Abraham a great nation, the nation of Israel. God did indeed bless him abundantly, gave him everything he'd given up and more. God did make his name great in the earth. Everybody knows who Abraham is, the father of Israel, even today. His name is great in the earth, exalted. Indeed, most important of all, indeed through him, through his descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ, every nation of the earth has been blessed. Galatians chapter 3. Let's just turn there as we finish. Galatians 3. <clears throat> Galatians 3 and verse 8 says in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed, so that they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Indeed, those of us who are saved, we've experienced this blessing. The blessing. We have been blessed by Abraham because of his seed, the Lord Jesus Christ. God has kept every promise that he made to Abraham. God did not fail him. God kept his word. You see, the wonderful truth is that as believers, when we surrender to the Lord, when we likewise give him complete control and we make that decision to step out by faith and follow him in discipleship, God will not let us down. God will keep every promise that he has made to us. And he will make us a blessing unto those around us just like he made Abraham a blessing he'll make us a blessing to those around us as well as we serve him I wonder this evening have we heeded the call the call of discipleship have we stepped out by faith trusting in his promises it's a call that God issues to every single one of us as believers have we surrendered ourselves have we obeyed that calling upon our lives you know, as Romans 12:1 says, "And we presented our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service." Have we made that decision? Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you, Lord, for the example of Abraham that we looked at this morning and this evening, Lord. This man whose heart was tender and soft before you, a man that you could use. And Lord, when you issued that call, Lord, he surrendered all. He was willing to sacrifice all and put his faith in the promises of what you had in store for him ahead. Lord, may you help us each to realize that, Lord, after salvation, you have a call for us as well, a call of discipleship. And Lord, yes, at times it is one of sacrifice, but it's also one of great blessing. Lord, may you work in our hearts this evening. May we be willing to surrender all to you, to step out by faith, and follow you, we pray in Jesus' name.